Hi, Paul. Hello, Janina. How is your vacation? Oh, it's going very well. Good, good. It's, uh, it's, it's going too well. There's not so much of it left. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to be back in the office soon. I'm going to be back in the office soon, but that's okay. You can you can be on vacation. And when I when I mean back when I say back in the office, of course we're working from home, so it's going to be, yeah. You just stay at home, Paul. I'll just stay at home and and pretend I'm on vacation. <laughs> Let's uh, make this introduction a little bit short. We will talk uh, about uh, software, Paul. Software for five G. Why is this so Soft important? Soft five G. Yeah, hmm. well, uh, you were pushing for this. It's an important area. Uh, it's a very important area. The, the thing is, when we roll out 5G systems, um, you know, there's a lot of focus on uh, on the hardware that we put out there. And we think about uh, radios and we think about antennas and all the things that we talked about on the podcast last time. If you look at if you look at places like the, the, the US, the quality, the performance from 5G systems actually improves over time. Partly you see that in the in the download speeds, but partly it's it's improvements in the, the coverage and the, the average performance that you get in the network. And and that's often down not to putting in more hardware and building more antennas, it's down to better software and the features and functionality that you can put onto the onto the system. And if you take an example you know, from uh, from a from 4G, 4G started with 75 um, megabits per second and then we over the 4G years from 2009 2010 to today we've gone up from 75 you know past 750 up to twice that maybe 1.2 gigabits maybe even 1.5 gigabits or more uh, is possible with 4G uh, and some of that needs new hardware but it's also a function of the software that we've we've got so so today we're going to talk about soft 5G what are the things that are happening in software that's going to make 5G uh, better. Yeah, so we're already starting to improve 5G. <laughs> oh, right? of course. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's already there. Mm. Cool. Uh, but we also have uh, some uh, news that we wanted to mention, uh, especially this uh, the, the railway news that uh, came out actually a couple of weeks ago, but it sounded really interesting, uh, Paul. Tell us. Yeah, we, we, we didn't mention it at the time, but I mean, we, there's a lot of uh, interest when we talked about uh, 5G, for instance, for connected vehicles, and we talk about 5G for industries and enterprises. Uh, but when we talk about everything being connected, you know, with 5G, that it's an infrastructure which you can use for both for, for consumer services, but also for uh, in industrial applications. Ericsson joined... Uh, just need to find the the full name here. The Association of European Rail Supply Industry, which is the, has the abbreviation UNIFE, um, and uh, catchy. That, that's catchy UNIFE. Uh, that's that's uh, obviously uh, an organisation that's that's focused very much on the rail industry, and and uh, the rail industry has used mobile technology since uh, GSM days. But uh, I think we, we can see in, in 5G opens up for uh, a lot a lot better connectivity and, and new use cases. Uh, and in fact, I think we did some work uh, a couple of years ago where we showed trains in Switzerland, if I remember, using what we call network slicing to be able to provide onboard communication for doing everything pr from providing broadband to coupling to you know, surveillance cameras and telemetry on the train and, 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 and different things, each on a different virtual network carried over the same mobile network. So each virtual network maybe has different characteristics in terms of what it offers in terms of uh, bandwidth, 
latency, security and, and, and other things. So this is just a small step then in terms of being able to work with mission critical networks specifically focusing on the the problems that and the challenges in in doing that in the in the railways context mm. that's kind of watch this space the kind of uh, placeholder really this it's yeah. uh, it's a first step to bringing these uh, mobile network comms to future railway mobile comms yeah i can say that i mean railways uh, there it is uh, both uh, you know the security aspects uh, the, the people are are working on trains commuting and want uh, good uh, connectivity even though they're traveling like at uh, 200 kilometers but per hour so it's the uh, it's uh, it's it's all sorts of these aspects. Uh, you want to have a contact with the driver or with the personnel on the train. And, and railways, and a little bit like motorways really, they have quite a special problem, which is that mobile networks usually are built to provide coverage for where people are living and working. But railways maybe go through more isolated areas that don't normally need good coverage, except when a train is there. Um, so, you, you know, you need to be able to build um, your network coverage specifically to be able to cope with trains. Yeah, and uh, it has it has some features like going into tunnels and stuff. Like going into tunnels and, and then, a, a, you know, a train itself is, is a bit of a challenge because all of a sudden a thousand people come along and uh, if they move from one cellar to another, you have to handle a thousand transfers from from one cell to another just like that. So, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's some special challenges involved in, in doing uh, mobile networks for railways. Yeah, and at the same time, we're getting more and more uh, reliant on our mobile phone to keep connected and keep, uh, it's a good time to, to, do, to do those kinds of things that you, where you, as you sit down and like you want some entertainment and stuff like that. I know I suffer from uh, being a bit bored when I'm on airplanes. <laughs> that doesn't have wi-fi which is why i chose some companies over others well uh, I, I i traveled up to the swedish mountains last year for for a long break or a holiday um and uh, took the sleeper train uh, yes. and they have uh, the trains have wi-fi on board really nice yeah Mm. But uh, once one one and it's uh, it's a sleeper train. You you know you leave Stockholm in the evening and you arrive in the morning. That the way where you're going. But what kind of once you got an hour or two hours out of Stockholm, the Wi-Fi was a bit intermittent because there was no connection from the train to anywhere because it's in the yeah. middle of the forest somewhere in somewhere halfway yeah. through Sweden. Um, so that's you know that in essence is the challenge for a railway is in actually be able to provide connectivity long distance over the rail uh, over the course of the railway and you think about things like you know railways you know the, there's you can travel by rail all the way you know the trans-siberia or whatever which goes from i think does it start in moscow it goes all the way across russia into down to, towards china Vladivostok. lots of yeah vladivostok lots could be even of, st petersburg uh, actually there. Mm -hmm. uh could be uh i've, I've not been so uh yeah, i need to look it up uh but you can imagine that there's great long stretches of that where the, 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 there isn't a lot of people and maybe not a lot of motive to put a mobile network in and except for wanting to have it on the train. Okay, we talk about trains now. Uh, we need to start to talk about software instead. So from hardware trains to software, all for 5G. Um, you uh, had some things in the mailbox, Janina. Right. 
so thanks everyone for emails for emailing us you can still do that uh, we check our emails even though it takes some time sometimes uh, we are on 5g podcast at ericsson.com if you want to e- give us a little email and shout out we so appreciate it and we're getting a lot of questions right now about how um, people can sort of use 5G for their enterprises and what kind of education they they need and how their company can uh, provide uh, 5G services. Uh, so we will plan those kinds of things for this fall, Paul, or autumn, as you say. Yeah, I thought there's a, a lot of interesting things around that topic. 5G education, but also a lot about the 5G ecosystems. So, in you know, how do I use 5G for my business? What are the, what are what are the different roles in the ecosystem that a company could get involved with? Um, and you know, and uh, you know, if I'm interested in in doing something, what are the opportunities for me in in 5G, or what are the opportunities for my company in 5G? Uh, and that could be anything from uh, you know how do I how do I add five G to my product if I if I want a five G connected product to how you know how do I get involved in in helping enterprises put five G into into their business mm-hmm. uh, so lots of interesting questions there I thought we could yeah. uh, we could we could pick those up after the summer yes so we seem to have uh, things coming up. <laughs> More things coming up related to 5G shortly, but first we will be on vacation, right? Uh, both of us uh, now, Paul. So uh, let's say thanks for uh, following us and uh, thanks for the five-star reviews. We love you. Uh, and uh, after this interview, see you after the summer, everyone. And now. And now, let's go over to the this uh, chat we've had with Sebastian Faxier and Jörn Karlberg. So today on the podcast, The Voice of 5G, we have two guests, uh, Björn Kahlberg, uh, Strategic Product Marketer for Carrier Aggregation. Hi, Björn. Hello, Janine. Good to be here. Good to hear you. And we also have uh, Sebastian Faxier. You are Strategic Product Manager for uh, 5G Products, specializing in massive MIMO features. Hi, Sebastian. Hey Janina, glad to be here as well. And you too are here to talk about soft 5G. Paul, this is a topic for you. What is this? You actually suggested this title, soft 5G. Soft 5G. Yeah, soft 5G. We talk about rolling out 5G and there's a lot of focus on, oh, we're going to put up lots of, uh, lots of new masts and lots of new antennas. Uh, we're going to put uh, radios everywhere. Um, and uh, you know, there's a lot of countries now which have rolled out 5G, and 5G is there. They're, they're still maybe improving coverage. Uh, but what you see actually is the performance of 5G improves over time uh, without needing to go and put new hardware in place. And that's because uh, we do a lot of things with the software, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, soft 5G is actually quite important when it comes to the development and you know the evolution of 5G. So I thought it'd be a good idea to to be able to talk about what well what if we if we take soft 5G and like lift the lid, what's actually inside? What are the things that we're doing that makes 5G better? Uh, and we have touched on this topic before several times. Uh, just uh, our our the the radio system there being uh, being 5G ready uh, since 2015. Uh, but of course, the the software for the radio system uh, is uh, being developed, and uh, there are new iterations all the time. Same thing as the 3GPB standards as well, Paul. Right? Yeah, the standards keep evolving, uh, and and I think some of the things that we we're going to talk about today, there's some of the things maybe that we've 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 seen similar things already in 4G, and now they're being introduced into 5G to you know to further extend. Uh, what what happens in 5G and it, you know 4G is quite a good example there the you know the first 4G systems came in you know they were talking about uh, 75 megabits per second or something and and now you know you can uh, you can achieve well over a gigabit per second part of that's in been lighting up new spectrum in fact a lot is it comes from lighting up new spectrum mm. but it but it's the software that actually allows you to combine different parts of spectrum into a single connection to a single user. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, carrier aggregation. Yeah. Um, but we've got some other things to talk about. Yeah, and I thought we'd start off with something that we have mentioned already. I think on the on the, the first episodes of this podcast where we, where we talked about what is uh, 5G, and it still is massive MIMO. Um, and now we have actually a, a, an expert here, Sebastian. Uh, you, you're specializing in massive MIMO features. So do you want to start off uh, explaining what it is? Yes, uh, thank you. So I guess the, what you were talking about here initially is uh, that we can provide a lot of new software upgrades on existing hardware uh, to continuously sort of improve the performance that we actually get. And I think that's a very good point. Uh, so what Massive MIMO is uh, fundamentally is a new type of antenna. And this type of antenna we, we put up there on the mast and it sits there for several years, five, ten years or something like that. Uh, but we continuously come up with new features for how to better utilize the potentials, so to say, uh, of these antennas to continuously optimize the performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is a little bit what uh, what I'm into and what what uh, what I'm what I'm working with. Yeah, uh, but, but, but uh, I guess I mean when you say it's a it's an antenna, you mean it's a is is it a technology used in the antennas or is it uh, like a, because it's not like I can I can sort of Google or buy uh, an antenna called Massive MIMO, but I can call co- I can buy a Massive MIMO antenna, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think Massive MIMO is a sort of umbrella term for this new type ah. of technology, uh, mm-hmm. which um, uh, so, sort of consists of these new types of antennas. So, so if I'm ah. to explain a little bit what's the key fundamental difference between 4D and 5D and why we can get this much larger uh, capacity and much larger data rates with a 5D system, uh, mm-hmm. A fundamental piece of that is the utilization, how to, to efficiently utilize a Massimo Montana. So in a mm-hmm. typical 4G system, you have what is called a passive 
antenna. This is ah. what has been used in the networks so far. Uh -huh. uh, and a passive antenna typically consists of only a few number of antenna branches which you can control for, from, the, uh, for, from the base station. So maybe you have two antennas, or maybe you have four antennas, and the antennas are stupid, they cannot really do anything. Uh, so when you want to broadcast a signal from, from the base station to the, to the cell phone in order to send the transmission, right? You need to broadcast over the entire uh, area of the cell. Uh, so you, you sort of spread the, the energy over, over the entire cell area. So you can't really pinpoint and send energy to, to the individual cell phone itself. Yes. Um, and with the new Massimo type of technology, what we're doing is that instead of having only two or four antennas which you can control, we build what is called active and advanced antenna systems, which consists of many, many more uh, individual antenna elements. So instead of having two and four, maybe we have uh, 64 antennas which we can control uh, or something like that. Uh, and this means that we, we can utilize the spatial domain uh, to a much larger degree. So instead of broadcasting a signal over the entire cell, as we do with a typical 4G system, with a massive MIMO 5G system, we can actually direct the signal energy to the individual user itself. So it's, it's a bit, instead of lighting like a big uh, light in, in, in your living room, you have an individual spotlight, which can focus the signal energy uh, to, to the individual cell phone. And what this means is that you can, first of all, you can reduce your interference level to all the other cell phones that, that you have uh, within your cell. And you can also boost the signal energy towards the, the user that you want to have. And that, of course, gives much more better performance uh, because you can utilize much higher data rates. And another thing that is a property of this massive MIMO, since you can have this individual sharp transmission beams going away to different users is that you can actually transmit data to multiple users at the same time using these kind of narrow uh, beam transmission patterns and this of course means that the uh, amount of uh, data and the amount of capacity that you can have in your cellular network uh, can increase by an order of magnitude even so, so just to break in there, what you're, what you're saying is with the massive MIMO antenna, potentially you can you can actually talk to to multiple users at the same time. Also, because normally a, a a mobile phone antenna it splits it it it, it it's talking to to one phone and then it's scheduled for another phone and then it's scheduled for another phone. But you're saying you can actually talk to more than one phone at once. Exactly, and that is the one of the key fundamental properties of how. Uh, we can actually increase the capacity of a 5G network. So instead of doing what is called uh, a time division split, uh, so that you first transmit to one user, and then in the next time instance you transmit to another user, you can actually transmit to multiple users simultaneously. And I guess that's why it's called MIMO. Multiple input, right? Or? Exactly. So, so MIMO, <laughs> uh, for, from a uh, technology perspective, stands for multiple inputs and multiple outputs. So this means that you have multiple uh, input signals that goes to multiple users uh, in the sort of output stream of the channel. So that Good. is the term MIMO. Yeah. yeah. MIMO fundamentally is something you can do even with a passive antenna. As long as you have more than one mm. antenna branch, you can essentially do MIMO. So even in our 
4G system, for instance, where we sometimes only have two antenna branches, we can do MIMO because we have two antennas. Mm -hmm. But what uh -huh. we're doing now with our active antenna systems, where we have a lot of different uh, antennas integrated in the antenna aperture itself, uh, this means that we can do massive MIMO, which is the fundamental difference. Right. Yes. Uh, this is a big thing for 5G that it, like yeah it's boosting our uh, the the cap the capacity uh, but we also want uh, more reach when it comes to to uh, 5G and there there are now software features that can boost both boost uh, the capacity and the range of it Exactly. So I think one of the important things here to note is typically we only talk about, okay, so what is the downlink performance? Uh, so, mm -hmm. so how uh, how much can I increase my, my download speed on, on my phone with, with this new 5G? Um, and that, of course, can be improved with, with this massive MIMO technology by using these more sharp beams when transmitting. Uh, but we actually have the exactly same properties when it comes to massive MIMO antennas in the uplink reception. So we can generate similar type of receive beams in the uplink in order to boost the, the uplink performance. Mm. And uh, just and to, to explain this, I mean, downlink and uplink, it is basically like the data getting downloaded and uploaded. Exactly. So, so that is essentially what we're meaning. We're talking about okay. download and we're talking about upload. Mm. And I think what will become even more important now in 5G is actually the uplink capacity uh, mm. because we have a lot of new applications for instance where, where you want to upload high quality video streams from your phone for instance this will become much much more popular now in these days when we have 5G uh, deployed so uplink yeah. capacity and also uplink coverage is extremely important in order to ensure that you had a good uh, user experience if you're doing something like a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting like this, that we're on on this recording, then you know half of the signal is going on the uplink. Yeah, precisely, and we have entirely new sort of sets of demands of of uh, what what we want from uh, the, these kind of uh, Zoom meetings, for instance. So I think now we're sort of expecting that you should be able to, no matter where you are, uh, you could be out roaming on the countryside and you still want to be able to send a high quality video for when you do uh, your, your Zoom meeting, for instance. Mm. And that, of course, requires that you have both very good uplink capacity and uplink data rate and also good uplink coverage because you could be very far away from the nearest base station and, and you still want to be able to, to transmit this high quality uplink data stream. And this is something that's uh, sort of like overlooked before, or? I think so, I think so, I think so. Uh, a little bit, people have only been focusing on what is a downlink performance, right? How, uh, how quickly can I download a, a video or a file? And the, the focus really hasn't been on, on uplink uh, throughput uh, until now, I would say. So this is something that we have taken into account when, when we're designing our 5D systems and our 5D massive MIMO we need to have very good uplink performance in order to meet uh, consumer requirements. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's something we talked about before was when it comes to uplink performance, not many people realize that it's actually the uplink performance which can limit, uh, limits your coverage because the, you know, the, mm. the signal from your phone is a lot weaker than the signal from the antenna, from the, from the radio mast.
So uh, you know, you need good uh, you need a good uplink to actually be able to get a good downlink. Yeah, exactly. So in order to get even basic downlink performance when you download something like um, a video stream or a file or whatever, you actually need to always transmit something in the uplink as well. So you need to uh, to transmit sort of, hey, I received this file and then send it send it on the uplink. So unless you actually have uplink coverage, you cannot get any downlink coverage as well. Uh, unless you explain, uh, we have a fundamental uh, difference here in the coverage range when it comes to downlink and uplink. Uh, because in the downlink transmission, we have these large base stations which is uh, mounted on a, on a roof of maybe and connected to uh, you know, an uh, electric outfit or whatever. Uh, but from your phone, it's much, much weaker. I mean, it's, uh, it's much smaller and it uh, it's, uh, depends on, on the battery that you have in your phone for the actual transmission. So the signal that is generated from your phone is much, much weaker than the signal that is generated for, from a base station antenna. And that is the fundamental problem that you have much worse coverage in uplink compared to downlink. So in a typical network uh, scenario, the uplink is the most limiting link. So mm -hmm. improving and extending uh, the uplink coverage that you have is, I would say, the, the most crucial thing you can do to enhance your 5G experience. Mm -hmm. So how do you boost then the, the uplink? Exactly, and here I think is where the massive MIMO uh, technologies actually come in. Uh, so it really depends on how you build uh, your, first of all, your massive MIMO antennas and how you design your software algorithms in order to most effectively utilize the, the potential that, that, that you have with, with these kind of antennas in order to ensure that you get good uplink performance. Uh, and this is something that we have been doing from day one uh, when it comes to our massive MIMO antennas. Uh, so we believe that we have designed them in, in a certain way that allows us uh, to have very sophisticated software algorithms in order to uh, utilize the, the uplink in a very efficient manner. Aha, okay. So I think one of the key components here is how you design your, uh, your antennas and what kind of algorithms that, that you use in order to do with this kind of beamforming. Because it's actually beamforming that we talk about here also in the uplink. So mm -hmm. in downlink, yeah, we, we talk about this transmit beamforming. Mm. So how can we direct uh, a beam of, of energy that, that uh, uh, sort of focuses the signal towards the uh, mobile phone that we want to transmit in a given time. But it's actually the same uh, problem, I would say, in uplink, you generate a receive beamforming that focuses the reception energy of the antenna towards a certain direction. Mm -hmm. And the way that uh, we, we at Ericsson have designed our massive antennas is to allow a very flexible way to do this receive beamforming. So essentially means that no matter where the UEs are uh, located in the cell, and by you here, I mean uh, a mobile phone. <laughs> yes. Uh, for, for those people that are not um, uh, you know, familiar with this uh, terminology. UE uh, meaning user. UE, UE user. meaning uh, user equipment. Uh, which is the technical <laughs> term then that, that we have for, for the mobile phone, sure. yeah. uh, essentially. Or other mobile broadband devices, I suppose. Mm? Exactly. It, it can be different kind of, uh, yeah, it, it can be any, any type of device that can 
uh, send or receive a 5G signal. So it can be, um, for instance, a fixed wireless access modem that you have in your home. Uh, it can be something that is integrated in your laptop. Uh, so it can be any kind of uh, device, really, that uh, can receive and transmit 5G signals. Mm, and that's why you call it a UE, not a smartphone. But now everyone knows. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, when we talk about this, like, uplink, uh, uplink beamforming, I often think about that as a bit like, it's like directional listening. I, you know, instead of hearing all the sounds that come from all directions, I just want to hear what's happening in that conversation over there. And so I want to kind of shut out all of the noise that's coming from different directions and, and just focus on, on what's coming from over there. And, you know, if you, do, if you do that, take away all that other noise, then you can be much more sensitive to the noise, to, to the conversation or the data traffic that you're trying to pick up in that direction. Mm. Exactly, I think, and I think that's a very good analogy, and that is something that I uh, often use uh, myself when I'm describing how, how these uh, massive MIMO reception algorithms work. Uh, so, so think about the basic problem is that you're, uh, you're uh, at a cocktail party, let's say, and you have a lot of people that are uh, talking with different conversations, and then you're trying to you know, listen to what someone across the room uh, is saying, and that, of course, uh, can be very difficult because you have the noise from all, all, all the other people talking. Uh, so, so what you, we're essentially trying to do here with the Massive MIMO technology uh, is to focus our, our listening so that we can listen to what someone across the room uh, is saying and filter out all the, all the noise from, from, from all the other people. Uh, and that, that is, uh, I would say, the fundamental uh, problem. Yeah, but, but just to just to kind of paint the problem a little a little richer, you're you're trying to listen to what that person over there is saying, and then a millisecond later, you, you want to cut out all of the noise and listen to a, another person in a completely different place in a completely different direction, and another millisecond later, you're doing that again for somebody in the in a in a third place. So it, it's not just being able to to do that filtering in that direction. You need to be to be dynamic in in doing that to be able to to meet the you know, the large number of users that on a normal mobile system exactly i mean and this is uh, one of the key things here you need to be able to do this kind of selective uh, listening and, and filtering out the noise of, of everything else in a very very dynamic fashion so as you said in one millisecond you need to listen to someone that stands over there to your left and in the, the second time occasion you need to be able to listen to someone that stands over there to your right. And you need to be able to suppress and filter out what everybody else in the room is saying. Uh, and uh, one of the problems here is that the so-called interference that is generated from other people talking, that can vary very, very quickly. So in one occasion, uh, some people might be talking, and in another occasion, a completely other set of people will be talking. And in the analogy here, we of course mean that we have different mobile phones in our network that are transmitting at, uh, at different points in time. Mm. So it's really, really important to be able to, in a very dynamic fashion, select which kind of mobile phones do I want to filter out and which mobile phones do I want to focus my listening on. And that is what we can achieve with our uh, massive MIMO architecture and what we call the, the uplink booster. So we have a very dynamic way of, of doing this kind of selective listening when it comes to uplink reception. Mm -hmm. 
When it comes to a uh, good performance, uh, though, and and uh, like the increased performance, uh, I have uh, understood that uh, carrier aggregation is uh, another vital part uh, for for this to provide this. Bjorn, yes. what is carrier aggregation? Glad that you asked, Janina. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, and- as Sebastian said, I mean, there has been and there still are a lot of focus on downlink performance and particularly downlink peak rates or uh, the throughput speeds that can be sustained uh, for downloads. And um, downlink irrigation is one of the tools in our toolbox to increase uh, peak rates in downlink and in uplink for that matter. And uh, that has been a lot of focus in LTE. Uh, initially, it's also uh, the focus for for 5G, but now we're bringing a, a new and important uh, aspect of irrigation, and that is to be able to extend the downlink range for some frequency bands by using irrigation. Uh, so this is this will be, uh, you know. Uh, coverage extension uh, focus and not so much on on peak rate focus as we have traditionally done. Okay, but carrier aggregation. Yeah, uh, it's 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 adding. Uh, is it multiple spectrum bounds to it, get a exact, broader exactly. beam? Or- yeah, is it? <laughs> maybe not a broader beam, but you could you could view it like this. So you have mm-hmm. you have 3GPP, the standardization body. They have uh, they have defined different frequency bands, uh, and normally for NR, these are uh, you know categorized in in uh, three band groups. You could say so. You have high bands with really really high frequencies. You have mid bands with you know lower frequencies but not really low frequencies, and then you have the low bands with really low frequencies and they have these three band groups have different properties so for example high band and mid band they have great capacity normally the bandwidths of these bands are very wide meaning that for an end user that could access these bands they could actually download a lot of data uh, really really fast but if you take low band for example it will have different properties and and the one of the main characteristics of the low band is that it has great coverage it covers a larger area uh, when it's being transmitted so mm-hmm. you know from a population subscriber population point of view it will cover more subscribers in the operator's network yes uh, and here what this then i mean what is Carry aggregation is like adding several of these bands together exactly. to get to get uh, better uh, both, I guess, than both uh, coverage and capacity. If you're saying that, I mean, they have different um, coverage widths or, or ranges. Uh, so how does spectrum sharing come into this? We've been talking about spectrum sharing for quite a while now. Sibel has been on the podcast. So how does how is spectrum sharing coming into this? Great question. So, so uh, what we need, I mean, in 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 NR, what we need is to uh, quickly be able to utilize different frequency bands. So, for an operator that wants to uh, move to NR, uh, one of the uh, one of the 
aims for that operator would be to try to cover as much of the the, uh, the network with 5G coverage. And by using Ericsson Spectrum Sharing Solution, they can actually you know, turn on 5G on uh, their low band frequency spectrum assets. So 4G and 5G will coexist on these uh, low bands that are spectrum shared, meaning that a 5G user in this operator network would be able to um, take advantage of that particular uh, spectrum shared low band. From a irrigation point of view, if this particular net, uh, operator also have mid band uh, spectrum, for example, it means that now with our solution, we can actually aggregate this mid band uh, spectrum together with the low band spectrum, and we can take advantage of both of these uh, unique good properties. So the capacity from the mid band and the coverage extension range from the low band. Ah, that sounds uh, that sounds neat. I mean, we are uh, uh, we we think that uh, we have a competitive uh, advantage here. Um, we we know that we are ahead of competition with this uh, particular uh, kind of functionality, uh, and uh, it's really exciting that irrigation is not only uh, for increasing peak peak rates, but we are also then helping our uh, customers and operators to, and, and uh, at the end of the day, every end user in that, uh, in that network to uh, take advantage of uh, that um, very valuable mid-range or mid-band spectrum as well. We talk a lot about peak rate, but uh, mm-hmm. for, for, for most users, you know, they they want enough bandwidth to do the the thing they're trying to do at the moment, whether that's watching a video or or, or surfing or, or playing a game. Uh, and uh, you know, if I if I need five megabits per second, having 150 megabits per second, you know, is nice, but 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 doesn't uh, doesn't make so much of a difference. But if I need five megabits and I've only got three, then my service is not that good. Um, and being able to extend the range of uh, of your 5G coverage and give people 20, 30, 40, 50 megabits per second further out in the network is is uh, is actually a, a significant benefit to to users, you know, ordinary consumers that are trying to use the network. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you know maybe in the back room of their home or something where they where the coverage is not normally as good as they'd like. Uh, absolutely, and I think we traditionally talk about uh, application coverage. That's basically what you are describing. So, um, for for a uh, for an end user that has access to one of these low band frequencies, uh, we know that the bandwidth of that low band will be limited. So, as you say, a number of users could potentially uh, be able to get up to five megabit per second. But by aggregating now this low band with the much more capable, uh, from a capacity point of view, mid-band spectrum, then we could offer more users the same you know, minimum level of, of application uh, requirement. Uh, so in, in, from that sense, we are actually extending the operator's application coverage. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to tie back to what we talked about before. Now, the, the the reason you know what you're leveraging in in uh, using carrier aggregation is the better uplink that you get on the low band. And we were talking about the importance of uplink. Um, exactly, exactly, and that is really the um, 
um, the fundamental for for uh, how this is uh, how we are able to to uh, provide this solution. So so in carrier aggregation, we normally talk about that one of the uh, component carriers or one of the frequency bands is the primary band. So that's where the uh, uh, the uh, mobile or user equipment will uh, transmit all of its uh, uplink data. If it's uplink control data or if it's uplink user data, but it will transmit all of its uplink data there. So what we just heard um, from Sebastian describing that uplink is really, really important. That is, I mean, that is very much true when it comes to, uh, I mean, from a corrugation point of view as well. So, because it's the same principles that applies for the frequency bands, regardless if we talk about massive MIMO or, or carrier aggregation. So, so what we're doing is that if you look at the uplink coverage for the midband, that will be, uh, you know, shorter compared to the uplink coverage for, for the low band. So by making the low band the, the primary band, um, we can reduce that um, uplink limitation in the midband. So we can extend only the downlink reach of the midband. One of the interesting things that for me as well is when we talk about using multiple bands uh, and you know really high data rates and, and using lots of spectrum, I think a lot of people think that when their mobile phone is connected, it's always connected to all of that spectrum. And in fact, that's not really the case. Carry aggregation is is one of the things that it, that the system can use to give better service to users, but but different users may only connect to to a smaller part of the spectrum because mm -hmm. they have a stronger signal and and or they don't have a they're not trying to do something that uses a lot of capacity. Uh, and I think we we often overlook how clever uh, mobile systems are at, at actually trying to balance the needs of different users in in how it uses the resources it's got available. Mm. I guess the, the the thing is that if you have a good connection, you 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 don't then you don't think about it. It's only when you have a bad connection in some way that is when uh, when when the end users sort of get upset when when they realize that oh all of a sudden I'm in a dead spot or something and uh, these uh, software tools is to 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 make the users have the the best uh, coverage wherever they are in a way. Uh, how do you see this uh, going forward? Will it be uh, sort of like okay, we're we're gonna have the hardware we have we we got or that's rolled out, and that it will be much more of these software features lifting five uh, G. Definitely. So what we're starting with now is uh, rolling out our uh, Ericsson Spectrum Sharing solution uh, to. Uh, you know, enable operators to quickly migrate parts of their spectrum assets to 5G. On top of that, we have uh, software features like uh, presented by Sebastian's that will boost uh, the uplink uh, performance. We will have software features like carrigation that will boost both uh, downlink uh, performance peak rates, uh, but also being able to extend the coverage for certain uh, frequency bands uh, and all of this is is primarily now right now done in you know in combination with the 4G network so a, a non standalone oh. network so can can people out there who doesn't have a 5G phone also expect 
better uh, a better connection in the future i mean f- from the sense that uh, um the 4g users or 4g only users uh they will have a bet will get a better experience because of we can assume that uh, the 5G users that migrate to 5G and use the 5G spectrum the resource usage that they would have you know used in in the 4G network now becomes free for all the 4G only users mm, because there will be more spectrum over overall yeah exactly yeah. together mm. with the new uh, spectrum assets that that 5G enables Mm-hmm. It's a lot like building a new road. If I build a new road, then the people that move off the road to, to go to the new, new bigger road, you know, the people that are left using the old road get a better experience because a lot of that traffic has gone somewhere else. Yeah, makes sense. What do you want people out there to to think about or do, Björn and Sebastian? Yeah, I think that this uh, analogy that, that you presented here with that now we're building out new roads is a very good way of looking at it. So what we're essentially doing now when we're building out this 5G network is that we're resetting the uh, foundation and we're building uh, the infrastructure for for the the next generation uh, communication networks that are going to be used, you know, five and ten years in in the future. Uh, And we don't really know exactly what kind of new and exciting use cases are going to come out uh, of this based on this new very capable infrastructure. Uh, So if you think back you know, 10, 15 years ago, when we built out the, the 4G network, we really didn't have any idea of, uh, you know, what would happen with the smartphone revolution. Uh, and I think you agree that, I mean, our lives have changed, you know, quite dramatically, in a sense, because of this. You know, we have entirely new habits. Mm. Uh, so I think it's quite amazing that right now, okay, before the, before the COVID-19 situation, obviously, uh, you could travel, you know, to uh, any part of the world essentially, to take a cross-continental flight and really don't need to plan anything. You can rely on that everything you need to do is accessible by your smartphone. You don't need to think about hotel bookings. You don't need to think about how do I uh, get around in this new city. I can take an Uber whenever I want. I don't need to plan which uh, kind of sites to see or restaurants to go to. Everything is there in my mobile phone. And I think mm. that, uh, that that's quite exciting. How, how yeah, it's taken for it's taken. I think it's taken for granted. Yeah, it's taken for granted by a lot of younger people, for sure. But uh, by the time when I when me and Paul was young, at least we <laughs> we experienced uh, trying to find a payphone, <laughs> right, Paul? Exactly, exactly. So I think it's quite amazing that in this relatively short time span, uh, our, our behaviors has changed quite a bit. Uh, and we didn't really predict that when we built out the 4G network. Right? We just set out the basic infrastructure. Uh, and now with the 5G network, we set the, the, the foundations with a, a lot more capable infrastructure when it comes to data rate and when it comes to coverage and when it comes to also latency. So this will open up the door for an, an entirely new range of, of different use cases. So I'm quite excited what will happen you know, in, in five years and how uh, people will come up with new ways to to utilize this uh, this new very impressive infrastructure that we're building. Yeah, yeah, we 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 still don't completely know what the killer applications will be out there, uh, but we ha- we have a sense. <laughs> I guess <laughs> some things seem to be happening quicker than other. Uh, but good, uh, thank you for coming to the podcast talking about uh, soft five G, uh, the software. Uh, that can improve 
the coverage, not just for 5G, but also 4G. Thank you so much, Björn and Sebastian. Thank you for uh, having us on the podcast. Excellent. Excellent. Yes. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And bye. Bye. bye.